Hello, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast. My name is M.G. Govia. I'm the Education Outreach Liaison of Oki A11. Today, we are going to be talking with Carl Carlson of Beko Contractors. The purpose of today's podcast is to go over the services of A11 and the importance of them to those who are excavating companies in the state of Oklahoma. So we're going to be going over quite a bit of the process um, from the contractor's eyes and go through that um, step-by-step on processing locate requests, best practices, talking about um, what what happens if there are damages, things of that nature, and then wrap that up with an overall message for you. So let's first meet Carl. Carl, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, my name is Carl Carlson. I'm safety director and risk manager for Beko Contractors. I've uh, been with Beko since uh, 2008. Uh, I was a supervisor in the field uh, before moving into uh, safety and risk role. Been in construction about 28 years, uh, all facets of it. So outstanding and you and I have gotten to work together on multiple projects Uh, you are very active in damage prevention in the industry as a whole Uh, you and I've worked together with Oklahoma Safety Council with other projects Uh, you've helped us um, at OKA1 run a successful safety days where we uh, worked with um, various people in Lawton or excuse me up in Tulsa wasn't it (laughs) that was up in Tulsa uh, where we uh, got to illustrate uh, safe excavation practices up there so you've been a great champion for um, the industry and I appreciate that and today we get to see it from the excavator side just what all A11 is about so um, let's begin by just talking about the importance of A11 when it comes to being um, an excavation company like Becca it's an important tool. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I've traveled across the United States, and uh, honestly, uh, everybody that's here in Oklahoma doesn't realize how easy they really have it to have just a central call-in number and, and can get the information uh, that you need readily. Um, you know, it's not only, you know, easy to use, you know, obviously it's the law, uh, so you need to use it. And the ease of it makes it a lot easier to follow. Um, you know, you get the, obviously the utilities, you want to hit those because that's downtime costs, could be, you know, safety issues, uh, the whole nine yards of it. So it, it's, a, it's an important tool all around, whether it's at your home, uh, whether it's at work, uh, it's, it's for the utilities. I mean, you don't want to be on a call uh, or on a computer and all of a sudden it's gone for, you know, several hours or a day. I mean, nobody wants that. So, you know, having uh, 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 locates and knowing where they're at and finding them, that's uh, important all around to everybody. Exactly. And so when Beko is putting in their locates, um, what do the majority of your locates get done through our website or are most of them phone calls? How are you brought, making those requests? In the early days, it was phone calls. Uh, now that the web tickets have come up, uh, it's a lot easier uh, to put in as many tickets as we need to for our various projects. Uh, so the web ticket is is our primary uh, way of using 
Perfect, because that made sense. Um, currently, about 70% of all OK requests that are submitted to us are done through our web service. Um, just like you said, it's available 24-7. It's easier as long as you're putting in a normal um, or a update ticket. You can do it right there from the computer. The only time that you'll uh, need to make a phone call to us as far as being required is just if it's overly complicated and you're just having a difficult time typing up the information or if it's an emergency or a second notice or um, one of the um, other ticket types that are, are phone calls required for. And if you do need to make a phone call, um, our listeners, our office hours are Monday through Friday, six to six. Only emergency um, locate requests would be able to be called in outside of those business hours. So, um, a majority of your tickets are put in through web ticket. Um, then Becca, do you typically have single property tickets or do you do large projects? What kind of uh, work or projects do you normally have going on? Normally, I'd say most of ours are large projects. Uh, you know, it may be a subdivision type area uh, where you got multiple blocks that are going in, uh, or uh, you know, a highway uh, where you get you know half mile, mile or more. Um, so most of ours are large projects. We have we do have some single tickets uh, for some of our other smaller projects, but mostly uh, most of ours are the large projects. Okay. And so with all of those projects, uh, with it being a larger project, you probably have multiple tickets associated with that subdivision, for example. How do you, as a project coordinator, handle those multiple tickets? Uh, our project manager will actually initiate those tickets. Um, they'll break them down uh, according to how they need to be uh, put in. Um, and then uh, we've got one person that actually updates uh, those locates. So they're initially, uh, the project manager will sit down with the prints, go through, line them out, cement the prints, you know, for the areas and the breakdowns and uh, do that. That's how the large projects are done. And so um, you mentioned updates for our listeners who may not know. A, a locate request is valid for 10 working days or 10 business days from when work began. And if the project isn't going to be complete, we ask that that ticket is updated every seventh business day. So you're probably working multiple tickets within that subdivision where you're bouncing from property to property. Um, and so you're wanting to keep those tickets active for the length of the entire project of the entire subdivision, not just one particular property or one stretch. Is that how I understand it? Most of the times, yes, uh, because we uh, you'll have multiple uh, construction work going on, you know, whether it's a tear out, whether it's put back, whether it's asphalt work, whether it's, uh, you know, backfill and, and sod going in. Uh, so there's multiple times. So once uh, once we move down through and, and get everything off and we know we're not going back there and then not working in that area and that area is complete uh, and there's not any work going on there, uh, we'll call those off. Uh, so we try to keep up superintendents on our jobs, try to keep up with that and keep those going. And that way we don't have tickets that we don't need uh, in there. And then it becomes an issue later on, you know, where they've got to go back and do something. Uh, then we'll just make up a new ticket or update that original ticket. Um, and then they'll know they'll have the 72 hours before they go back on that. Exactly. 
Um, does um, have you been called out to do um, emergency excavation because there's been an endangerment to life, health, or um, property? Have you had to call in any emergency locate requests? We have. We have on occasion. We have to call in some emergency requests um, to get, uh, you know, whether it's uh, something with the city, whether it's a water line break, and we've got to go back in and, and put a roadway in or, or something there. There's there's something in front of a, a fire station or something that, that you really can't wait the 72 hours, then we'll get the emergency request going. Yeah, it's something that um, we're seeing is um, in Metro politan areas like oklahoma city or up there in tulsa or other um big cities is that the member companies the ones who are responding to those locate requests to go and mark their underground facilities on emergency tickets they're looking to make sure the justification is correct um it does truly need to be an endangerment to life health or property um like you said everything you've mentioned as far as examples um a repair to water service water main breaks all those things those are justifiably an emergency no questions asked um but when a new install comes across um through another company of course then of, then we have to remind them that this isn't an emergency it's not an endangerment to life health or property because it's a new install there's no one living there things of that nature so our companies are going to look first to make sure that it's an endangerment to life health or property and then they're going to look at the time frame and uh, you and i've talked about this before um yes we want to respond to that locate request as quickly as possible however we don't want to get there um, when work isn't going to be done. So the, um, if you're waiting on a crew to assemble or get your equipment or tools that you need to, and it's going to take four or five or six hours before the project is going to start, we'd much rather hear six hours uh, lead time for the member companies to uh, get to you than two hours and find out that you're not going to be there for a while. Um, so um, I know that you already know that. We've talked about that before, but as much time as possible... <laughs> but still going to be digging um, because it is an emergency is what we ask for first for the justification on those sure. emergency requests. One thing that um, you and I've talked about is the law was written in 1979, the Oklahoma Underground Facilities Damage Prevention Act. And in 1979, and then it was established in 1982, their um, technology and the the industry of utilities uh, probably wasn't really imagined to be the way that it is in 2021, 40 years no, later, right? I'm sure. <laughs> so we're looking over the law and I mean, not once does it mention directional drilling or uh, cross bores or um, just how much telecommunication webbing is underground. So um, to fill in those gaps from a 1982 law, um, there are just some general best practices that have been established. And so when Becco is putting in those locate requests and whether it's a large project or a single ticket, um, one of the, the most um, common um, best practice or something that's kind of harped on is limiting your scope of work and using white lining to um, show those locators where the work is going to take place. How does Becco use those two best practices? Well, the the scope of works down there, uh, it's pretty easy. Like on your, on, let's take a large project. So a large project, you already know the scope of work. You know, if you're going to be 
tearing up the reconstruct on the roadway. Uh, so you know you're going to be digging down there and you're going to have utilities around. So you've already got that scope of work laid out. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know your boundary limits. So uh, white lining on a large project is not really feasible because you'd be going through there, but you know you're working property line to property line. So you can say, you know, from this intersection, you know, uh, 1,000 feet to the northwest or whatever it is, you know, property line to property line. Uh, and then write in your scope of work because you know what your scope of work is going to be in there. Perfect. Now, for like a single ticket or something like that, you know, you just uh, will have those crews, they'll white line it out or they'll be out there at the time uh, of locate. Well, not always, but uh, a white line uh, for those types type areas when it's uh, a specific close area and you're you're going to know that scope work too let's say you're going out to uh, uh you got to replace a couple panels because there was a water main break uh, so you'll have it you know try to get it narrowed down you know within your footage and and you know give them the scope work and also say it's been white line uh, you know you're typing in there anyway just throw it in there hey this is white line or whatever just so they'll know that they're in the right area exactly white lining is to me just the bat signal that a locator needs <laughs> when they especially on like you said right. if um as a in case anybody is confused who's a listener um my name is mg i will never um, be a professional excavator um, my role is to help out and do what i can to illustrate that but as a homeowner um i may have some projects i need to do so if i'm as a homeowner going to uh replace my mailbox I don't need my backyard located when I'm putting in a mailbox, right? I can white line the area that I'm going to put that mailbox in and call it good. And then when the locators are swinging by, um, then they'll go, okay, this is exactly where it's going to be. They're going to go, usually the best practice on a locator side is a 50 foot radius of white lining. So they're going to go an additional 50 foot in all directions of what I drew on the ground. And they're going to be able to tell me what utilities are going to be around that mailbox or if I need to adjust the location of that mailbox. So white lining is, um, it, it just makes the communication that much easier than to go mark my whole entire front yard and they're marking up against the house for a mailbox. White lining just makes it a lot easier. So once the locators have been out there and um, uh, hopefully, hopefully they've responded exactly as they should. Um, if if they do, um, the earliest that a locate can be complete is um, two business days, not counting the date of notification. So if I call on on a Monday, the earliest I could work would be um, Thursday morning at 7 a.m. So the locators come out, they knock out their locate, um, if they have not, for some reason, I need to put in a second notice. Um, that's a phone call to us. Let us know that a company hasn't responded to locate requests within the um, three business days. Then we will um, get them back out there um, to you. Um, hopefully that isn't happening a lot. I know through COVID and through um, these um, staffing uh, months, things have been a little bit uh, hampered out there, but hopefully things are get back to normal soon. But once the locate is complete, um, then you can begin work. So the first thing you're going to do is do some verification digging. Um, that verification digging is going out, finding the markings, and then finding the underground facilities. What is the process that Beko uses for your verification digging? 
most of the time we use uh, potholing, uh, which is, you know, no motorized equipment uh, unless it's, you know, hard surface. If we got, let's say we're taking up a roadway and you get a, a utility line that's been marked across the roadway. So you mark it on both sides, uh, pothole it on both sides peel the asphalt, the concrete off, then you're going to pothole across the road uh, using a shovel. Um, you know, obviously, it's two foot either side of the mark and down until you find it. And you just go that way, and we, we open everything up uh, uh, through the dig. So if it's going across the drive or across the roadway, uh, we'll open it up all the way across the roadway. Gotcha. Uh, we we'll do so we've done some hydro excavating on a few projects just to uh, uh, speed it up because there's a lot of uh, utilities there. Uh, mm-hmm. So we've uh, done a little bit of hydro excavating uh, on those, uh, but for the most part, uh, I'd say probably 99 percent of the time it's it's potholing by hand. Outstanding. And the main reason that you mentioned uh, this to me, um, actually, I can't remember if it's since we started recording this or before, but the tolerance zone is a reason that uh, we want to verify uh, where the utilities are because the tolerance zone states in the law that there isn't to be used any mechanical equipment to be used within two feet either side of the utility. So you have to find the utility first before you know where two feet is either side of it. And then um, once that is exposed, protected and supported, then you can um, use that heavy equipment um, outside of that tolerance zone to continue your project. Um, hydro backing, I'm, with the work that um, Beko does, I can understand the uh, lack of use of it because you haven't run in those projects. But for those um, contractors or excavating companies out there that does use hydro backing, I do want to remind you all um, when um, using it, it isn't technically a uh, mechanized equipment. So you want to uh, be sure that you're using um, with due diligence and the way that was intended to be a soft digging um, tool. Um, You'll want to check your pressure, make sure it's not too high, Um, especially around pipelines, things of that nature, or conduits. You don't want to mess up the lining of it. You don't want to cause any um, integrity issues of those lines down the road. Um, Yes, it is water pressure, but it can um, change the integrity of those um, pipelines. So you'll want to be able to uh, make sure you're using it at the lowest setting that it still works properly um, when you're using those. So just keep that in mind as well. Um, Another best practice, I'm sure um, with some of your projects, um, Carl, that there'll be other companies doing work on the same area. Um, Correct. How do you, how do you, do you spot check the other companies when you're out there? Do you make sure that they have their own locate request? Cause you know how important that is. Yeah, everybody uh, knows that they, they're not allowed to work off anybody's uh, locate. Uh, most of our uh, uh, subcontractors, they, they've worked around us for years and been in the construction industry. So that everybody pretty much knows. And if they don't, if it's a new company, you'll just say, remember, you got to get your locates and you can't work off ours. Perfect. Yeah, because exactly, just like you're saying, piggybacking another company's um, locate request, there's just too many things that could go wrong to hope that nothing does go wrong. Um, with piggybacking a locate request, um, I met, if I'm a plumbing company and someone has another electric company and we're working on the same property, but 
for some reason, I'm in the backyard and they're in the front yard and they saw my flies and they thought they were good. When they hit something, the only thing that's out there is my ticket, right? And so it just makes the ugly um, claims process that much uglier. Um, so you want to make sure that when working um, with other companies on a property, that you ensure that everybody has their own locate request, that their scope of work um, is for their project. Um, and and it says, hey, you're doing a water install. Hey, you're running electric and whatever the case may be, just to make sure that if something does happen, um, those that claim process is a little cleaner. I would say you'd also want to make sure that, uh, you know, if, if one of your other companies does hit a utility or something like that, make sure you document it, uh, what day, what time, what it was, where they were at, uh, just in case you get an invoice since it's your ticket, they may pull up your ticket, and since it's on the, the job, they may send it to you. So yeah. if you've got documentation that it was the other company and you got their locates, then you say, hey, this wasn't us, you know, this was them, you got this wrong and send it back. It just makes, it cleans up that process a little bit. Perfect. you uh, having a big headache. Actually, um, that kind of dives into where we're going to be here in just a moment. Um, <laughs> uh, so actually, the listeners will never know that we're going to jump down to damages and then come back up. Okay. <laughs> Um, so let's talk about damages. So um, we talked about what to do if a um, another company um, does it. Um, what happens when your company has an accident? Um, just a, a bad swing and, and nicked something or caused some damage. What do you do um, in that situation? Well, first, you got to make sure that everybody's all right. There's nothing that's life-threatening or any emergencies, you know, to any of the general public, not only to your employees, but the general public as well, uh, especially being on the roadway uh, such as we are. You got to make sure that nothing's there that's going to damage them or you got to stop traffic or anything like that. Um, Notify the authorities if you got to. Um, I tell my guys. First thing you do, you need to know find out what utility it is. Uh, you need to call that utility, let them know that, that there's been a cut, and give them the information. If you can't find the utility or get a hold of them, definitely notify your locator. I mean, generally, locators, when they come out, you know who they are. They've got your number. You've got theirs. Notify them. It just helps out the process a lot quicker. Um, take photos of the area. Uh, take photos where it's been potholed, you know, before or after. Take photos all the way around uh, because it's going to help in the uh, uh, claims process, you know, and document everything. Right. And in the in the moment um, when that accident first happens, we also want to make sure that we're not trying to repair anything. We're going to let the facility owners let us know what they do. If it's a pipeline, um, you don't want to run out and try to shut off something. Don't touch valves. Um, if, if, <laughs> there's no need to do that. Um, they're going to know uh, really quick something's up and they're going to um, be responding. And then, of course, um, the most obvious thing is don't backfill anything. Don't cover up an accident um there's no reason to do that um not only for the integrity part of it but also because if for instance if there was a slight nick to um a fiber conduit um or fiber then it may not look like it's a big of a deal but then when the weight of the dirt is put back on it can splinter or cause that um fiber to fracture and then you just lost telecommunications so uh, we want to be smart not to backfill an area as well Thank <laughs> you.
you know, one thing also, you know, if, if you're able to move your equipment back, get it at a safe distance out of the way, and then make sure you shut everything down, mm-hmm. uh, shut the engines off, things like that. You know, if you, if you hit a gas line, uh, if you're able to get it, your equipment out of the way, if not, shut it down. Shut right. down until you know, the uh, gas company gets there. They get the line shut down, deem it safe, and you can move the equipment out of the way. But if there's, you know, if you're able to, you know, if you got wind direction where it's blowing away from you, back your equipment up out of the way. It's just going to make it quicker and easier for them. Oh, it's smart. Um, very good point. You talked a little bit about the claims process. Do you want to elaborate on um, how Beko handles that? Um, as a overall process I know you're going to document and take as many photos as possible but is there anything else that another construction company may need to know or um, maybe a starting company may need to know I think I think your 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 photos are a big key, and and I say that, and guys need to be trained on how to take photos, because when I first started in here, you know, you'd see a I'd get a photo of uh, just a hole and a broke line. Let's just say that, and they'd say it's not marked. All right, that's the only picture you got. Well, that doesn't tell me it's not, it hasn't been located. Right. So, uh, you know, a 360 degree uh, camera uh, views and backup, you know, more photos you can get at different angles all the way around mm-hmm. is the better you're going to have. It's, it's easier to get rid of photos you don't need versus try to get photos you know a couple months because your damage claims aren't going to come in for a couple months i mean they got to go through the process and everything then they get you get it in the mail so you know a couple months down the line especially in construction i mean what it looks like today it's not going to look like that tomorrow yeah. So having that documentation um, is vital. You know, make sure you got your your OK numbers for that area. You know, like for our large projects, you know, we'll have multiple OK numbers. Make sure that's on uh, damage report. That way, it makes it easier. You know, like if I handle the claims. I'm going to go back in. It makes it a lot easier for me to, you know, just look up that one locate number, get that printed off versus trying to go through, you know, 10 or 12 numbers and then make phone calls and try and figure out what it is. You're there. You know what it is. Your superintendents are there. They know what they are. Have them documented on there. Uh, Document your locator. You know, anything that's discussed, whoever you're talking to with the utility, name, numbers, things like any documentation you think you might need, you may not end up needing it. Uh, right. Whether it's, uh, whether it's your fault, whether it's not, whether it's located, whether it's not, if you do a standard practice of photos on everything and documentation, right, it just, it's a really a best practice for the contractor. Exactly. Um, a lot of things that I've learned um, in the last few years is due diligence. Um, due diligence is a catch-all phrase um, that just says, hey, if, if you're practicing due diligence, then even if an accident happens, you can say, hey, I tried to avoid this. I, I, from these photos, we can see that uh, unfortunately the locator was off by a couple of feet or this happened or something to not justify the accident. You never want to say it that way, but see how you tried to avoid every possibility that ha- that and that accident mm-hmm. is truly an accident. And that does help with the claims process as well. 
Provided in partnership with Damage Prevention Academy, Oki 811's Excavator Education Program is certified by the Gold Shovel Standard. Upon completion of this training, you will be educated in the regulations surrounding excavation in Oklahoma and the best practices for safe digging and damage prevention. Oki 811 certified excavators can rely on this high quality online training which specifically incorporates everything they need to know for the prevention of damage to critical buried infrastructure, as well as increased public and workforce safety. The training will take approximately two hours to complete. The training is fully responsive, mobile enabled, and can be completed on a desktop, laptop, tablet, or other mobile device as your schedule allows. The Oki 811 Damage Prevention Certification is a proactive indication of an increased investment in damage prevention to drive safety, reduce damages, and minimize the risks associated with excavating on or around buried assets. Once you have successfully completed the training and exam, you will receive a Certificate of Achievement, including the Gold Shovel Standard Seal. To get Oki 811 certified, Go to oki811.org forward slash excavation certification. So, um, one thing about excavation um, is using safe excavation practices. Uh, we talked about the tolerance zone earlier, so I'm not going to uh, recap that. But I do want to talk about um, trenching and shoring. Um, I know it's going to be hard on a podcast to really illustrate um, trenching and shoring um, safe excavation practices, but uh, I, I know that I've seen some training where you've helped with um, some equipment up in Tulsa. Can you kind of give just some, like maybe three solid bullet points for um, safe trenching? Uh, you, you're best if you're not real familiar with a lot of trenching and shoring. The best thing is is to get on the OSHA website and go into the excavation, and they've got all different uh, uh, trenching and shoring uh, options in there, uh, as far as sloping, benching, shoring um, sheets, uh, trench boxes. Uh, so that'll help you a lot better understanding the trenching and shoring. Also, you know, you can Google uh, uh, trenching and shoring and you'll have a lot of different photos on it. Um, you know, there's different companies that, that offer the trench boxes uh, for rentals and different things like that. Um, sheets, uh, you can get with them. Uh, sit down with them. They can go through, uh, let you know what they've got. You know, they can even, if you're not familiar with it uh, in an area, they can do it. Um, that's above all. I mean, you know, you get into an excavation, you're going in the ground. Um, you've got to have those. I mean, that's that's the difference in life and death, plain and simple. Um, as well as, you know, even locating lines. It's a difference in life and death. I mean, mm-hmm. you got an underground electric, you don't call in it, you hit that, you know, multiple things can happen. There's, you know, that's a difference in life and death. So, um, trenching and shoring is, is it's tough, but you got to think outside the box. I mean, you've got, there's multiple ways of getting things uh, trenched or uh, uh, using trenching and shoring. Um, and they've got multiple things out there for multiple areas. 
different scenarios. Uh, so it's it's uh, definitely learn those options. I uh, don't think there's just you've got to just have a trench box uh, because trench boxes don't always work. Um, you know, you get uh, sheet shoring for just certain areas. Uh, you get uh, sheet piles. There's multiple different. Uh, scenarios that, that you can use uh, trenching and shoring in uh, to get it safely. Uh, and same time, when you're doing that, you've got a utility going across, you got to figure out ways to support that. You know, there's been several occasions in the past when I've been in the field and stuff and, and was running crews, uh, you know, I may have to get beams out there and, and tie lines up to beams uh, because you got to protect it from the beginning to the end. Uh, so you've got to think of a way. You just don't want, you know, you just don't want a phone line or something just sagging in the, the uh, trench. You know, it's just right. That's not not a protection. So you know, you you've got to think of those things. Get your get your field guys to understand that you know, if you plan ahead uh, and you know they're coming across and you've got wide excavation, you know you're going to do something to protect those and keep those in there. Gotcha. That's a great point as well. Um, obviously, trenching and shoring is going to be important when laying down new utilities and stuff like that, but also just protecting the existing utilities is very important. So you've been in construction, I believe you said 20 years, if not more. Um, 28. 28. So you are a subject matter expert for sure. Can you think back through the 28 years of maybe like maybe a story you've heard of another company or something you've seen in the field that an accident did happen or an accident that could or close to happening that um, you can give some lessons learned for our listeners? Uh, you know, one that kind of has stuck out and, and I'd heard about it. Um, learning the underground prevention act and and you know when i was back in learning all that and understanding it uh i've heard uh work the company was uh doing a box uh, like a uh, drainage box and it was a uh a cast in place box and they come across a uh like a 900 pair uh phone line that wasn't wasn't marked um I said they got a hold of the locator, had him come out. Uh, he checked it and said, you know, hey, it's it's dead. And uh, they told him, well, we need to get a hold of the utility company, have them cut it. You know, I'm not going to cut it. And uh, either you can cut it or they can cut it, but I'm not cutting it. Um, you know, and the, his justification on that was, listen, I can see you missing a, you know, a, 50 or 100 pair, but, you know, you get a 6-inch, 900 pair line here, uh, and you miss that, and now you're telling me it's dead. You know, the cost of that repair alone, uh, they didn't want to take on the liability. Uh, so the, they actually got a hold of the utility. Uh, they come out, determined it was dead, and, and removed it out of their way to proceed. It's just a, you know, that that story's kind of always stuck with me. Um, you got to work together with everybody. It's not one working against them another it's if everything's done right and everybody's working together on it it can get done safely and that's what the bottom line is get it done safely get it nobody's hurt no utilities are interrupted uh and it makes life great for everybody 
Exactly. Um, and that kind of brings us to how I want to conclude this conversation is just talking about the A11 process. Um, it's always um, a good conversation when I have the opportunity to talk with an excavation company and get their perspective. Um, as a member company, uh, OK is a nonprofit that our uh, member companies, those operators of the underground facilities, um, they, they pay for our operational costs. And so um, I can quickly you know say that damage prevention is about protecting those underground facilities um but all too often um through damage prevention we kind of forget and and it's something that my focus is for this year is to remember hey there's a, a human life that's going to be working around those um underground facilities and that person needs to be protected just as much as that underground facility. Yes, those services, we don't want to interrupt it. Yes, we want that uh, member company to keep making their money. And and me, <laughs> as a consumer, I want to have the internet so I can keep working from home and I, you know, water to take showers. But there's other citizens who need those utilities because without them, they wouldn't be able to have um, heat and or be able to call um, 911 if they have a medical emergency. There's so many reasons that those services are important. And I want to stress the importance of protecting them. But ultimately, we want to make sure that every worker that is out there who's working on that equipment or around those underground facilities goes back to work the next day. We don't want to risk them um, and get lost in this damage prevention world of the utilities that we forget that there's a life who has friends, who has family that they provide for. Um, so that's something that is very important. And so with the example that you gave, just taking just a moment longer to wait and verify that, hey, that human locator um, may have made a mistake. You verified that he did not cut the line, everything's good and you can move forward. Your company wasn't at risk for this huge liability for repair costs or anything like that. And then in other cases, just taking the time to, to examine the situation before sending somebody out with heavy equipment in an unmarked area is just, again goes back to the importance of that worker being able to protect them and knowing that that's more important than the job or more important than what's underground sometimes and so um is there any way that um or any way that you would like to reiterate the importance of a11 um, for backup uh, contractors and how you use it and um, how you keep your workforce in mind pretty much said i mean we pretty much covered it uh you know there was uh, several years ago there was a, a shortage of uh, um, locators uh, so we were actually hitting a lot more unmarked lines than marked um, so that actually i know it was bad for the utilities obviously however it really made a light bulb go off and and a lot of our guys knowing that hey you know i'm so tired of hitting the line that i didn't know it was there i don't want to deal with that you better not be hitting anything that's located so you know it's it's cheaper i don't care what you do you can you can look at the bottom line yeah i can have several guys potholing for hours it's a lot cheaper than hitting that line Absolutely. So Absolutely. You, just, you just reiterate that. I mean, you know, I can put four guys on pot on line, and, and honestly, it really doesn't. I mean, you could say it does, but, uh, you know, you figure their hourly wage. Um, 
and figure that up and then see what a bill comes in i mean right you you right. have them you know up to sky's the limit on on just depending on if it's a fiber or a right fiber or you know or even you know, the cost of that but you know if you hit something and you get somebody injured then you get hospital fees and everything like that and you got a you got a guy that's not going to go home in the same manner that he went that he come to work in mm-hmm. uh, and you get for that so you know do it the right way uh, get things located uh, make sure stay vigilant on it and if there's a problem speak up and say something um, and then make phone calls that's the that's the best way to do it you've got to stay vigilant because hey we're all human uh, we all make mistakes at the same time we're all busy uh, so there could be a situation somewhere. Um, so make the phone call. Uh, like I said, you know, 90% of the time you got a locator's number. He's got your number. Uh, call him if you're concerned about something. Uh, he'll let you know. Uh, you have that, that communication, uh, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's just uh, um, if you don't have communication, then things are going to go bad. Right, exactly. Um, without that communication, you're figuratively just digging in the dark and that's not good for any outcome so uh, Carl I so appreciate um, you joining us today um, to go over the uh, conversation of using a11 from a contractors um, viewpoint um, I learned a lot I hope our listeners can see the the very importance of calling a11 and using our services as a contractor and um, staying safe for your both your workforce and those underground facilities is there anything else you would like to add before we um, stop recording today I think I'm good MG just uh, appreciate you having me uh, call 811 awesome man that was cool